Hey, guess what? It's time for making kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Ahoy! You have set sail for the Making Kayfabe podcast, and I'm delighted to let you know that not only have you found dry land, but also painfully dry humour. Yes, this is Bryson Dillon here bringing you another swashbuckling episode of Making Kayfabe, the podcast that rebooks professional wrestling's biggest missed opportunities in a way that makes sense. I'm Bryce, this Irish fella here is Dylan, and today we're going to be analysing, chatting about and rebooking a character who is often forgotten about, but who was portrayed by a wrestler who just deserved so much better. This week we're going to be covering Paul Burchill's brief pirate run from Smackdown in 2006, but... I'm going to start off with some good news. I have been able to awaken Dylan from his catatonic state after The Miz winning the WWE title elimination chamber. How are you feeling, dude? We don't have time for that, I don't think. I'm not... Listen, man, I'm not happy about it, but also, like, you know, it, it's a WWE. They're going to do garbage shit all the time, so... Maybe at least, like, but by the time this airs, so this, this is Wednesday recording this on, he, he might have lost the belt to Bobby Lashley uh, by the time this episode goes live, so, yeah. you know, uh, fingers crossed. What, what do you know about Paul Burchill? I really enjoyed Pirate Burchill. I really did. I thought the WWE was long overdue, a really good pirate gimmick. And he brought in, he was he went for it. He was very enthusiastic with it. And he seemed like a really good wrestler. And it was a damn shame that they just didn't go on. They just dropped it. They're like, nope, no more pirate. I'm like, well, why would you go and have, why would you go to all the effort to bring this guy in as a pirate? And then go, no, nah, we're done. No yeah. more pirate. Like you fucking, you went all that effort. You got him, you know, zipping down. Didn't he like spank more rope and shit? He did, and it was awesome. Yeah, like why'd you go all that effort and just drop it? Like at least do something with it. It's a very WWE thing to do. Like mm. uh, kind of the the stop start push where you get a guy coming in, you do all this cool shit for him, and then you know if it's not, I, I don't even want to say if it's not working after three months because I think Paul Burchill did work, but you know generally after three months, so like drop them and then that'll be it. Just that'll be the end of it. I mean, it's been subject to some a rebooking, you know, like uh, Paul Burchill today, Mordecai, Sean O'Hare. It happens to it happens to a lot of guys. The zombie, you know. So <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the, the most important <laughs> one. So yeah, it's um, it's just it's just standard. In fact, you know, like um, like, like last time, last time on 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 my rebookings, I, I I covered a superhero. Now I'm covering a pirate. In the past, I've also covered a zombie and an evil servant of God. So like really hitting all the key markets here at making cafe. You know, making sure everyone's represented. You know, that is a really good point. Like you, you've kind of like you've you've not been afraid to kind of because wrestling has a lot of fun playful gimmicks in it too and you've not been afraid yeah. to address those gimmicks whereas i've done like shana baszler yes yeah, <laughs> nwo you know twice yeah. you know i've been like no the hard gritty shit that's you know but then i've also done who did i do that was really stupid fucking um stevie richards <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say stevie richards but that was really well booked that's the thing and like i don't think you've done anyone overly gimmicky uh, but i might be wrong yeah, I mean, but it was just funny because like I I have future plans to do gimmicky people. We we were talking about that little spoiler alert for season four. Me and Bryce were yeah. talking about some gimmicks, and I've like I got a couple of gimmicky people I'd love to rebook. You know. Yeah, that's plenty, plenty coming for season four and beyond. But anyway, for for today, we're going to cover Paul Burchill. Should be should be dive into a catch up on the the life and times of Paul Burchill. Is that like a pirate pun, like diving into the uh-huh. sea? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, well, I, I yeah. dig it. Excellent work. Let's dive straight in to the murky waters of Paul Burchill's past. Paul Burchill, he made his debut in 2002 after graduating from the, the famous FWA Academy. The FWA Academy was a, a very prestigious wrestling school run by Mark Sloan, and it's probably the most like renowned wrestling academy in the UK at the time. Uh, FWA Academy graduates also include Spud, uh, a.k.a. Drake Maverick, PJ Black, a.k.a. Justin Gabriel, and Drew Galloway, a.k.a. Drew McIntyre. Burchill's impressive size and agility led promotions to see a, a t- just a ton of potential in him. He'd, he'd go on a two-year winning streak, which was eventually ended by Andy Boy Simmons. That's Simmons with a Z. Uh, of course. But, <laughs> but the, the first, basically, the first point I need to make clear about Paul Burchill is that he he was all the rave of the UK independent scene in the early two thousands. I, I don't know how much you've seen of the guy outside WWE or, or even in WWE to be fair but like most of the impressive stuff was outside of his outside of WWE in the early stages of his career for a guy his size which was 6 foot 4 250 pounds he could move man like super super impressive move set um, of which the, the cherry on top was his finishing move the C4 which I can it's really hard to describe but I, I can normally really describe it as a sort of like backflip rock bottom power slam I suppose yeah it's like a but... moonsault slam or something like that yeah it, 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 yeah yeah it does a backflip yeah that kind of thing he does it standing as well which is just again amazing for a guy his size but yeah if, if you don't know it listeners like just look up paul virtual c4 on youtube there's like compilations and shit of it but i i believe he invented that move like i i looked around in my research and i haven't done i haven't seen or heard anyone doing it before him but these days, like you'll normally see it used by John Morrison in his matches. But yeah, D- Dib was awesome. It-, it was highly regarded in the UK. I used to watch him in the old TWC channel here in the UK, the wrestling channel, which would you know air the FWA shows pretty regularly. The UK scene was just awesome back then, which kind of is a testament to how how much this guy stood out. It was it was something else, man. In 2005, he got signed by WWE and shipped to Ohio Valley Wrestling for development. But soon, he was called up to the main roster in the same year to form an alliance with our boy, William Regal, helping him beat up also our boy, Scotty Too Hotty. So... <laughs> William Regal really need help beating up Scotty Too Hotty? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I gotta get out there and see William Regal. <laughs> Scotty Too Hotty. He's in real no, trouble out there. <laughs> Oh boy, they they tied together uh, and they became a a fairly established team from mid-2005 to early 2006, but, you know, on on velocity. Occasionally the main roster, but, you know, mainly velocity. And uh, they had a a crack at the tag team titles once in a a fatal four-way match on the October 28th Smackdown against, get this, the Mexicos, Mm. MNM, and... The reigning tag team champions at the time, the Legion of Doom, in 2005, which yeah, was when not, not the good Legion of Doom. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it that way: not the good Legion of Doom. This was, of course, when Road Warrior Animal recruited Road Warrior Heidenreich to just absolute critical acclaim. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, Regal and Virtual didn't win. Back to Velocity, you go. 
So you might be wondering, you know, solid tag team with William Regal, very sensible, British-style wrestling. How does the pirate gimmick come about? Well, on the February 3rd, 2006 SmackDown, Regal and Burchill, they go into the office of SmackDown General Manager Teddy Long and Network Executive Palmer Cannon to inform them that they, they want to break up as a tag team. So... Palmer Cannon notes that Regal's heritage can be traced back to, you know, English nobility, but he's not quite sure where Birchall's ancestry stems. And thankfully, Birchall lets him know the answer. Pirates. And it turns out that Paul Birchall's, um, let, let me get this right, sorry. Paul Birchall's mother's second cousin's great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was the second lieutenant to Blackbeard the Pirates, the oh, fiercest the pirate in the <laughs> what are the chances of that wow. <laughs> and, and then he promises swashbuckling on Smackdown uh, Palmer Cannon, the network executive he is all in with his idea I knew when I rewatched this promo that I was going to have a lot of fun with this Like swashbuckling on Smackdown right you can't, you can't go wrong with it Next week, Paul Birchall appears backstage as a pirate, basically looking like an exact replica of Captain Jack Sparrow, where he interrupted a segment between Palmer Cannon, the juniors, featuring future making kayfabe rebooking Super Porky, and Mr. Kennedy. Um, I forgot about said, Super Porky. Yeah, he's like, Pam. <laughs> he's a, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a shoe in for making kayfabe rebooking, I'll tell they you that. They make it so easy for us. Yeah, they do. Like, they, they just do, like... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we'll we'll circle back to Super Porky at some point, but uh, <laughs> but basically he, he says hello to Kennedy and Cannon and then left. That's it. Um, <laughs> that was it. He's he's like hello, and that's it. He's he fucks off. That's a great um, way to introduce a new character. Yeah, that's what pirates used to do. They said hello. Hey. They, they greet people. <laughs> yeah, just hey, how you doing? That's the most dangerous pirate of all of the seven seas. <laughs> hey, man. How you doing? February 17th, SmackDown. Ken Kennedy tells Birchall that his pirate gimmick will never work, which mm. leads to Birchall drawing his sword and holding it to Kennedy's neck, which soon resulted in Kennedy taking back his insult and saying, you know, we need a pirate in this business. 24th of February, William Regal gets a letter from Jenny from England, uh, a fan of his. <laughs> He reads it out, mate. These segments are fucking brilliant. Like he reads it, he reads it out to Birchall, and, and it basically says that Birchall is making Regal look bad by dressing up as a buccaneer, you know. And also at the end of the letter, it says, "Oh, William Regal, you're so gorgeous and all of that shit." But you know, it's because because comedy. Um, but yeah, Regal, he's annoyed that he's taking Birchall under his wing, and now he's acting like a foolish pirate. Birchall, he then hands Regal like a, a cartoon bomb, you know, like a black spear with the wing <laughs> attached. Uh, Mate, you don't remember any of this. This is brilliant. This is this is what? top. This is like this is like pristine WWE. He basically hands him the bomb, and he kind of sets off the match kind of thing. He sets off a match, but it it doesn't explode. Basically, it doesn't. Whoa! So, Whoa! <laughs> I, I'm sorry to derail you for a second there, Bryce. Oh, what the fuck? Who? I, I love the fact that Vince McMahon is backstage thinking he wants to be a pirate. All right, what do I know about pirates? <laughs> <laughs> and he just sings back to like a Looney Tunes cartoon from the 40s. I'm like, yeah, that's pirates. <laughs> Fucking cartoon bomb. That'll do. <laughs> <Okay. fuck? laughs> I have to see this, but you know what? You know what, man? Like the the, good, the best thing is that Regal just sells it so well, like because oh, he's yeah. he's fucking brilliant. He's he's incredible. Like he was always 
you know, he's, he's in that kind of like Kurt Angle um, kind of mode as like a really good serious wrestler and you can take him seriously, but just excellent at comedy, you know, and like him holding that bomb, like putting it from hand to hand and stuff is just hilarious. So like, I absolutely do recommend to go back and watch it because it's brilliant. It's so much fun. William Regal has impeccable comic timing. Like he's, yeah. and you can tell like that's a guy who kind of grew up, um, you know, in Blackpool, like watching all the, you know, the, all those shows and seeing all those comedians and stuff. Like he's yeah. absorbed it. He has like perfect comic timing, you know. He's he's a genius, he really is. But March third, Regal asked Birchill to end the embarrassment and, and come back to team with him. So Birchill turns it down, saying that he has his first singles match next week, and if he gets his way, it'll be against Regal. And spoiler, he gets his way. March 10th Smackdown, Paul Burchill defeats William Regal with his awesome C4 finish. Uh, yeah, really fun match. It's worth a watch. Paul Burchill, like you mentioned earlier, had the really cool pirate entrance. You know, Regal, again, sold it perfectly. He's, like, laughing as Burchill comes out, you know, taking the piss out of him. But then, like, Burchill brings out his sword, and then Regal just immediately looks concerned. It's brilliant. Like, it's just absolutely hilarious. Regal and Burchill, they continue their feud uh, in a very kind of comedy-esque kind of way, which involved Regal having to dress up like a pirate's wench, a gorilla, and a chicken. Uh, <laughs> this just gets better and better, man. But, yeah. Anyway, like this, this was um, this was February to April of um, of two thousand and six, and WWE they scrapped a gimmick in June after Paul Burchill entered Mark Henry's Hall of Pain, where the character would never be seen again. So, yeah, and apparently, I, I say apparently because I didn't actually find an actual source on this. It was just Wikipedia, but Vince McMahon didn't like the pirate character. He wanted Burchill's character to kind of fully believe that he was a pirate, similar to you know PCO's character in 1995, John John Pierre Lafitte. Shout out to PCO, by the way, I fucking love PCO. Vince never saw Burchill's pirate gimmick as a fan favorite, despite him receiving loud cheers every time he was in SmackDown. But hey, Vince knows best, right? Burchill he went away for a while, went back to OVW, came back, he got repackaged. Uh, returned in 2008 with his on-screen sister Katie Lee Birchall, aka Katerina, in a storyline which allegedly, according to an interview that Katie Lee did with the Kayfabe Wrestling Radio, was meant to involve incest between the brother and sister. This was thankfully saved by WWE going PG two weeks after after their debut. You know, incest, not PG. Mm. Um, well, that's what I really like about that. Paul Burchill went from a guy handing somebody a cartoon bomb <laughs> to fucking his sister. Much better. <laughs> like, whoa, oh, dude, those, they, they couldn't be further apart, dude. Do you know the best thing? Do you know the best thing? Like, hilariously, I actually got this from a, from a walk culture list, which was five WWE incest angles we'd rather forget. <laughs> there was five. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Oh man, like uh, yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know, man. Wrestling is just something else. What is wrestling? Yeah, mm. I mean, but yeah, it was um, it, it was drafted to ECW in December of two thousand eight with Katie Leah. Had a fun feud with the Hurricane, which led to a, a mask versus career match, which put Hurricane's match against Paul Burchill's career. Of course, 
an unmasked hurricane had most recently held the cruiserweight championship for 13 months so this made perfect sense but you know <laughs> virtual lost um eventually released by wdb in 2010 and since then he's only appeared in 11 independent matches in nine years having most recently wrestled in march 2019 for ngw in germany at the recording of this episode so one can only assume he's retired now he focuses more these days on a career as a firefighter and a paramedic he was quoted in an interview with wwe as saying having wrestled with the best in the world i got my fix i didn't want people to remember me as a wrestler i needed to go and do a little less for myself and a little more for others so yeah top guy Um, i mean that's very sweet and all but we don't remember him as a wrestler we remember him as a pirate yeah (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah exactly he actually said um in the same interview um he said something about you know if if he could come back and do the pirate, he would do it again in a seconds in a, in a split second, you know. So, but yeah, like do, let, let me just say, like, do, do you know how old Paul Burcher was as we recorded this in twenty twenty one? Forty six. He's forty one. Oh, like, I wasn't. I, I thought yeah, I thought like forty six to fifty, but you know he's forty one, and like I thought he'd be way older. It turns out, you know, during his initial WWE run, he was very young, but. I mean, 41, dude. Like, AJ Styles is 43. Sheamus is 42. Jeff Hardy's 43. Fucking Bobby Lashley's 44. Like, yeah, I was going to say, last year's like 40 something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- th- these are guys who are all, you know, a staple of WWE programming right now. And, and they're featured every single week. They were just part of Elimination Chamber. And that just kills me because if Paul Burchill was 41, if he wanted to return to wrestling, he absolutely could. And mm. I guarantee he could still get it done in the ring. And you and I were talking before this episode about, you know, WrestleMania being pirate themed this year, which, you know, is just perfect. But I don't know, like maybe we'll see a Paul Burchill appearance, maybe not, but I, I, I hope we see him back. But that that's that's Paul Burchill. You know, dude deserve better and, and, and I think his pirate gimmick could have been a winner. Uh, it deserved more than a four-month run in SmackDown anyway, so I'm going to rebook it, but have you got anything you want to cover before we go into it, my friend? I mean, we covered cartoon bombs and incest, so I don't know what else I need to... <laughs> everything the, else the, the, two things, the two things I always ask you about, we've covered them already, so I guess we should just jump into it. Alright, let's go for it. Let's rebook Paul Virtue. So, do you want to know what my favourite part of this rebooking is? Last rebooking I did on the Hurricane, I really wanted to use William Regal as a villain, but I couldn't because he was out injured at the time I was booking. Luckily, Stephen Richards exists, so I could use him, but this time... This time, though, I have William Regal available, and just just that right there makes me so happy. Not only that, but, you know, Regal's, he's already very involved in the genesis of Paul Burchill's pirate character, so anyway, you know, so basically we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of fun here. Wait, are you telling me we're not gonna see Stevie Richards in this? Uh, not this time, I'm afraid. Spoiler alert. No. Hey. But, you know... Can't, can't, you, you got your Stephen Richards fix in season one and yeah. also in, in season three you're doing a hurricane episode so you know we can only, can only do so much you don't you don't want to overkill Stephen Richards because yeah, you know that's true. I know you can't get too much of a good thing but you know Stephen Richards man that's fair fair enough but yeah I, I'm going to kick things off here just before pirate Paul Virtual fights William Regal so in my opinion that's not a match you should give away so easily you know you should build up to it and establish virtual a bit before defeating his natural enemy you know his former tag team partner who he has dismissed you know William Regal so 
Paul Burchill's debut match will not be against William Regal. It'll be against a man who, as I mentioned, he's had a couple of interactions with already, as noted, Ken Kennedy. And that just makes sense. You've got to kickstart Paul Burchill's new gimmick as a force to be reckoned with. You know, he's not just a pirate, he'll kick your ass. Uh, and since he's been in two seconds with Ken Kennedy already, it just makes sense. Kennedy and Burchill uh, literally had no more interaction with each other in real life. Why the fuck? So on, on SmackDown, we're going to get him in a match with Ken Kennedy. It'll be a you know a featured match in the show. Tonight we're going to see Paul Burchill, the pirate, going one-on-one with Ken Kennedy. Really sell it, like a big deal. And, and for the match, we're going to get William Regal come out on commentary. And he's just going to talk shit about Burchill when he's wrestling. You know, he's a disgrace, he's an embarrassment, etc., etc. And we're going to have a competitive back-and-forth match between Burchill and Kennedy, but... Burchill's going to occasionally get the better of Kennedy with reversals, which will cause Regal to flip out. You know, he's making a bloody marker of you, Kennedy. Eventually, this is going to escalate where Burchill gets the better of Kennedy. Regal rises up from the commentary desk. He shouts instructions to Kennedy, you know, distracting him, which sends Ken Kennedy right into a Paul Burchill C4 for the 1-2-3. Paul Burchill wins his debut match as a pirate. He's beating Ken Kennedy. By the way, Paul Burchill's C4 finish at this point was called Walk the Blank because gimmick. After the match, Paul Burchill's going to celebrate, uh, and Regal and Kennedy are, are going to argue in the ring. Uh, Ken Kennedy is pissed off that Regal cost him the match, uh, and Regal's pissed off that Kennedy made Burchill look good. You know, he wanted Kennedy to embarrass Burchill. So now Paul Burchill has two enemies. He's got Regal as an enemy, and he's got Kennedy as an enemy. And the next week in SmackDown, you're, you're going to have William Regal come down to the ring alone. He's, he's going to be wearing a big suit, just like William Regal usually does. He's got a microphone in the hand, and he's, he's going to make a plea to SmackDown's authority figures. He's going to say, Palmer Cannon, I beg of you, you cannot let this miserable toe rag, Paul Burchill, embarrass me any further. Enough is enough. I have lent my entire legacy to this buccaneer, and he's making a mockery out of everything I've ever done. It cannot continue. So remember, as I mentioned earlier, Palmer Cannon was the the representative of the network at that time. So he technically had more swing than Teddy Long did. You know, he was the he was a heel authority figure to Teddy Long's face back then because he was you know, quote the network unquote, and he he'd do his best for ratings. Apparently, just as a sidebar, this was an inside joke within WWE because the UPN network had made them remove Muhammad Hassan uh, from television the previous year um, because we all know what Muhammad Hassan was doing. Mm. Anyway, like Regal's, he's making his speech, but then all of a sudden the, the crowd are going to slowly react to a man who has made his way down to ringside, unbeknownst to Regal, and a rope is going to wrap around the ankles of William Regal. So Regal, he barely had a chance to look down and see what's going on before Paul Burchill, he hoists the rope, causing Regal to fall on his arse and zip under the bottom rope as, uh, you know, Paul Burchill drags him up the entrance ramp. And, like, you know, Regal, Regal's still going to have the microphone in his hand. You know, all the way up the ramp, he's going to be shouting, you know, stop, 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 you bloody animal. Uh, but Paul Burchill, he's not going to listen. And you know, or maybe he just can't hear his former mentor over the roar of the crowd, and he's got a big smile on his face. He drags Regal behind the Titan Tron's curtain, and that's that. That's the end of the segment. So you know, just Paul Burchill has embarrassed William Regal again. And and later that night, you've got Regal walking backstage. He walks past Mister Kennedy, who's just laughing his ass off at him. Last week, Kennedy got embarrassed by a pirate, but this week, Regal 
got embarrassed by a pirate. So Kennedy is is just happy to see Regal get his comeuppance. You know, Regal, of course, not a fan of being humiliated and certainly not a fan of being laughed at. You know, so Kennedy, he asks Regal, what did he do when you got backstage? And Regal replies, nothing. You know, the cretin, he just let me go. He only wanted to bloody embarrass me again. And I don't appreciate you laughing at me. Then Kennedy, of course, he's all like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and things get a bit heated between the two. But thankfully, SmackDown general manager Teddy Long just happened to be walking by. So Teddy Long is going to address the both of them, Regal and Kennedy. And he's going to be all, you know, Hold on a minute, player. You, you two both seem to be having problems with our local buccaneer, Paul Burchill. I think there's only one way to settle that, player, and that's to have a match. So next week on SmackDown, it's going to be Ken Kennedy versus William Regal, and the winner will get a chance to wrestle Paul Burchill at WrestleMania 22. And there's the stakes. They're, they're, they're looking pretty high. Already, our man Paul Burchill has got a, a guaranteed match at WrestleMania, and maybe we're—I mean, yeah, maybe we're moving a little bit fast there. But realistically, Paul Burchill—he's been built up since February with all of these segments. So the guy would be ready for an opening match at WrestleMania um, on the card, or you could even do pre-show if you had to. But for, for the sake of his character, I'd, I'd want him in the next big show, which just happens to be WrestleMania around this time. I'd want him on that card. So anyway, Paul Burchill dragging Regal away and the Regal-Kennedy-Teddy Long interaction, that, that would have been the March 17th SmackDown. The match between Regal and Kennedy is going to be the March 24th SmackDown and WrestleMania is April 2nd. So basically, we're still going to have one more week of build as well after Regal and Kennedy fight for who faces Burchill. So March 24th SmackDown, it's William Regal versus Ken Kennedy. Who's going to win the match and go on and get the revenge on Paul Burchill at WrestleMania? Any guesses? Tugboat? No, not Tugboat. I thought he might have been like a surprise entrant because you know how they like to mix things up sometimes. But if there are no surprise entrants, I would have to say probably William Regal. Okay, so let me tell you how this goes. So Paul Burchill is going to come down to ringside for the match. He's going to sit at commentary in full pirate gear, but you know he's not going to be doing any commentary. Ken Kennedy comes out, does his entrance. William Regal comes out, does his entrance. And then the timekeeper is just about to ring the bell until... Regal stops him. Regal, he, he grabs a mic and he addresses pirate Paul Burchill at ringside and he says, Now, I've done some research on your buccaneer ancestors and I know your type, Burchill. You're setting yourself at ringside there because you want to cause some kind of ruckus at ringside that will distract myself and this gentleman standing across the ring from me will nod on my watch. You have disrupted my plans more times than I can count, so I'm going to make sure you cannot interfere. I have Palmer Cannon to thank for this one, not that useless pillock Teddy Long. Security! And then you're going to get free security guards approaching Burchill. They're, they're not going to throw him out the building or anything, they're, they're just going to stand in front of him so, so that he can't interfere in the match. Paul Burchill, he, he shrugs his shoulders, you know, what are you going to do, you know? Now he's just upset that his view of the match is partially obscured. Anyway, finally... The bell rings to start the match between William Regal and Ken Kennedy. But, in a shock twist, the three security guards hired by William Regal turn around and start beating up Paul Burchill. So, Paul Burchill is taken by a complete surprise here. He's helpless. You know, he can't resist the beating as much as he tries. In the ring, Regal and Kennedy, they're not wrestling. They're smiling. Regal still got the microphone in his hand. And he and Kennedy exit the ring together. 
Meanwhile, security guards are now, they're just holding Pirate Paul Burchill so that he can look up at Regal and Kennedy, but, you know, also so he can't attack them. You know, so some, something's clearly fishy here. Something's going on. Regal and Kennedy, they, they approach Burchill together and, and they kind of leer over him. Meanwhile, the referee is in the ring like, you know, what the fuck? This is meant to be a match, guys. The bell rang. Both competitors, they've, they've left the ring, so all the ref can really do is do his duty. Uh, he starts to count both William Regal and Ken Kennedy out. One, two, three, four. Regal and Kennedy, they're not moving. Five, six, seven, eight. They're, 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 they're paying no attention to the referee. They're still leering over Paul Burchill. Nine, ten. The match is over. Tony Chimmel, he gets in the mic and he announces that the match has a double countout. And the crowd boo. Burchill looks confused, but Regal and Kennedy both have, you know, big Cheshire cat grins on their faces. Our boy Willie Regal, he's got the mic again. And Paul Burchill, he's trying to, to fight away the security guards, but to no avail. And they have him by the arms, so he can't move really. Ken Kennedy, he, he lays in a few punches to add insult to injury. Well, Regal explains exactly what's going on. Regal says, he says, thank you once again to network executive Palmer Cannon for allowing me to organise my own security guards this evening. Lads, you've done an excellent job. Now, Paul, you look mighty confused, my boy. Who are you facing at WrestleMania? Why didn't Kenneth and I fight each other so that one of us could fight you? Well, as also confirmed by Palmer Cannon, if our match was to end in, oh, a tie or a double disqualification or, say, a double countout, then it wouldn't be just one of us facing Paul Burchill at WrestleMania 22, but both of us. That's right, Paul. You've embarrassed two very powerful enemies, and in just a couple of weeks, you're going to pay the price for it. At WrestleMania 22, it's going to be Paul Burchill versus William Regal versus Ken Kennedy in a triple threat match. And you're going to have Regal deliver a, a big slap to Paul Burchill's face as security guards hold Burchill back. Maybe you've got Michael Cole screaming on commentary and saying, you know, you, know, you might as well call it a damn handicap match. And let's be honest, essentially, it is a handicap match. It's pure Paul Burchill going up against two villains who hate his guts. The pirate is in quite the pickle. But that's good because you need a, a mountain for the babyface to climb. You know, you've got to have him against the odds. So the next week on the SmackDown before WrestleMania... March 31st, you're going to convince everyone that Paul Burchill stands a chance against these two men that he's feuding with. I mean, the guy's technically only had one match in his new character at this point in time. You know, sure, sure he's beat Ken Kennedy, but we need to showcase him a little bit more before, before Mania. So you know what we're going to do? Remember those three security guards? They just happened to be local wrestlers playing the role of security guards. And that means it's going to be Paul Burchill versus security guard one, security guard two, and security guard three in a three-on-one handicap match. And like obviously this is going to be a this is going to be a showcase for Burchill. Have, have this buccaneer fully establish himself as a credible star by taking on these three guys and winning in the match. You can just show everything that Paul Burchill's capable of. Put, put his athleticism on show, put his power on show, get the crowd cheering for him. In the end, he'd obviously beat them and maybe he, he like hog ties all three of them for laughs, you know, just 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 to totally solidify Burchill's domination. After the match, Kennedy and Regal, they're going to come out and they're going to chastise Burchill like big bastard heels. They'll they'll chat shit, they'll, they'll tell Burchill how they're going to make his life a misery at WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. But then, holla, 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 Teddy Long's going to come out and he had an announcement to make about this triple threat match at WrestleMania 22. 
So he tells Burchill, Regal and Kennedy that he was overruled by Palmer Cannon for sanctioning the match uh, and how that he thinks it's disgraceful because Regal and Kennedy's intentions to work together to get revenge on Paul Burchill have been made blatantly clear. He can't stop the match happening, but he can maybe change the mentality of two competitors in the match. And that's because there's now going to be something at stake for the triple threat match. The, the winner of the match between Paul Burchill, William Regal and Ken Kennedy will receive a shot at the US title. So Regal and Kennedy, they, they're kind of looking at each other in shock. They, they, they can't just team up and Paul Burchill and call it a night now. Now they need to be wary of one another because here's the deal. They're both selfish heels. They they both want a shot at the US title, and they're they're very aware that you know even if they take out Paul Burchill, that they're going to have to go through each other to win the match and get that title shot. Anyway, Teddy Long dances and then he leaves. <laughs> 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 he did a lot of dancing, Teddy Long. He did, yeah. And now it's time for WrestleMania 22. And by the way. I just want to have a, a sidebar here quickly and draw attention to one match in particular from WrestleMania 22. This one's good. On the WrestleMania 22 pre-show was an 18-man interpromotional battle royale. Can you guess, Dylan, who won it? Yes, I can, because I was actually reading a Wikipedia article about this very man about two days ago. So I believe this 18-man battle royale was won by no other than Big Daddy B, Viscera. It was fucking Viscera, my boy! <laughs> he won a match! He won a match. He won at WrestleMania. He won a match at WrestleMania. <laughs> oh my god, that's true. He won a match at WrestleMania. How uh, cool is that? And the, the best part is, the best part is, he won it by last eliminating Gene Snitsky. So, you know, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Snitsky comes back in and then kicks Viscera into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Callback. Man, 2006 was the, the, the fucking glory days of wrestling. What the fuck so, was happening that year? Good God. It's the best days of our lives were happening, my friend. That's what was happening. <laughs> Such a wonderful event. Mm. And by, by the way, like I also noted down, do, do you want to know who else is in the Battle Royale? It's Stevie Richards. Yes. Yes! <laughs> Finally, we and, have another Stevie Richards shout out. And, and, do you know who else? Oh, let me, uh, what, Tugboat? Funaki. Oh. Funagi, yay! <laughs> it's oh, a making all the old wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> was the zombie uh, in it? No, he wasn't. He nah, didn't date you until later that year. Oh, yeah, He's a brush true. up in your zombie history. That's true. That's my mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, making kayfabe wet dreams aside, we, we've got a, a triple threat match to talk about. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure where you put this in the card. Like um, I mentioned earlier, you know, I. I'd be hesitant to say main card because it's already so stacked. So maybe since it's a number one contendership match with the US title, it goes on the pre-show main event for now or, or like very early in the main show because realistically, you've already got a US title match on that show between JBL and Chris Benoit. But either way, the match happens at WrestleMania. It has to because we, we've got to feature Paul Burchill and, and keep the momentum going in his character. You know, if, if you leave him out of WrestleMania, what does that say about him? You know, fucking Funaki was in a battle royale and, and Paul Burchill doesn't get in WrestleMania, you know? Fucking Viscera so, won a match at WrestleMania. You can put Pirates How dare you? Long overdue. Long overdue, Viscera winning a match at WrestleMania. I, I, I have, you know. I, I'm not going to talk through the entire triple threat. I, I honestly think the match rates itself. Regal and Kennedy, they're going to get the heat on Burchill for a while. They're going to take the pirate out of the equation. 
But then, of course, they're going to get in each other's way, have a disagreement, and start kicking the shit out of each other. Eventually, that's going to lead to Virtual taking them both by surprise, getting the pin on William Regal, while Ken Kennedy is out of the ring, selling a C4. So, basically, Paul Virtual gets his win over William Regal. But it's after the match where we're going to get Mr. Virtual his WrestleMania moment, because after he beats Regal, Ken Kennedy's going to be all, screw this, he'll, he'll fuck off to the back, he's done with this feud. But this leaves William Regal alone with Paul Virtual. And Regal also. Uh, he's still selling the effects of Virtual's finisher. He's, he's dazed and confused, which it's going to give Virtual time to drag Regal to the top of the entrance ramp. And now, you, you know where... Let me just try and get you to picture this. You know we're at the top of the entrance ramp to the side of the stage. You've got a little kind of drop-off point like yeah. where Kane jumped off onto the big show to win the hardcore title at WrestleMania 17 where the New Age Outlaws dropped Cactus Jack and Terry <laughs> Funk in the dumpster, like, or like yeah. where, where Kane yeeted that grinder off the stage in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you catch my drift, right? You know where I'm at. Uh, so, yeah, well, from here, you're, from, from, this, from this part of the stage, you're going to have a, a 10-foot-long plank of wood outstretched <laughs> over the stage. And below this 10-foot-long plank of wood, you're going to have some, some kind of, like, I don't know, like a hot tub or like a kiddie's paddle pool, like basically something that can, a shark tank, why not? Basically something that can hold a fair amount of water for someone, for example, to fall into. Mm -hmm. So Pirate Paul Birchall, he's he's got William Regal next to this plank of wood hanging over the the, the vat of water. You see where I'm going with this? I do. At least I think I do. So yeah, like as as much as I love William Regal, as, as much as I fucking adore the guy and he'll forever be my top five ever, the guy we mentioned this earlier is a is an expert at making a total arse about himself. You know, he's he's just great at comedy, and you know, may, maybe he'd tell you that too. Like, there's just so many classic, hilarious regal comedy moments in wrestling, like whether he's drinking tea, the Jericho Piston, dressing up as Goldust, dancing with Crime Time. You know, whatever. The, the guy is perfect for for memorable comedy moments in wrestling and I, I still implore you to go and check out the old Paul Burchill William Regal segments on Smackdown because just absolutely brilliant but yeah when, when Regal wakes up you know when he wakes up at the top of the ramp we're going to make William Regal walk the plank because pirates Paul Burchill is is going to like prod him with his sword Regal is going to sell it like only Regal can walking the, the fin plank right to the end and then he's going to plummet into the water which obviously will get a huge reaction from the crowd Paul Burchill is the star of the moment uh, William Regal and Ken Kennedy have done an excellent job of kickstarting his pirate gimmick and the sky is the limit from here it would be if pirates could fly but they can't they sail so the sea is the limit for Paul Burchill here and, the and you horizon. know what else? I would have said the horizon. The horizon is a limit here. That, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. But ah, you, you know what else? Paul Burchill, he, he won the match, and that means, as per the stipulation, that he is next in line for a shot at the United States Championship after WrestleMania was held by Big Bastard JBL. And what what, what a feud that would be! You know, big big bucks money tycoon versus you know vicious babyface pirate. Uh, maybe maybe in that feud you've got Paul Burchill stealing JBL's limo and selling it for gold doubloons. You know, maybe maybe you make the feud Paul Burchill's search for buried treasure. You know, the buried treasure that's tied around the waist of JBL. 
maybe Paul Birchall thinks that JBL stands for just a bloody landlubber. You know, maybe maybe JBL attempts to call the police in Birchall for piracy. You know, the, the mm. possibilities are endless. Those uh, are some good that'll... jokes, people. Those are some really good jokes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it would be an awesome feud. It would be a really good feud. So, and um, yeah, hey man, there's 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 still a lot you could do with the pirate character. Um, you know, after that. Just have him do fucking pirate things. Like have have Bert Joe, like, <laughs> just, just to give him, make him give a bomb to William Regal. Yeah, you that that kind of stuff. Like just steer steer well away from incest and go right into the the cartoon bombs. That that's where you yeah. should. That, that's your ideal ideal point right there. But, but yeah, ha, maybe you can have um like virtual rob people with their belongings. You know, maybe you can have virtual recruit his own pirate crew. You know, like there, there's plenty of people in the, the roster in 2006 who could you who 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 could recruit into his crew to elevate them. Like I don't know, super super crazy Shannon Moore like. Fucking Buzz Mahoney. I'm just throwing names out here, but yeah. assign him. making maybe assign him like a, a lady pirate friend. You know, someone like um, uh, Ashley Massaro would have been perfect for that. And like, do, do I see Paul Burke show with a pirate as a main event gimmick? Possibly not. Um, especially if you portray him uh, as pure comedy for years on end and have him become a Santino Marella. But like, I mean, just 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 look at Paul Burchill, man. Like, do you know how many promotions would kill to have a guy like Paul Burchill these days? A guy like him who's six foot four, built like a brick shit house, who who can do backflips and shit. I feel that it, it would be crucial to start Burchill off as a comedy character like this, and then develop him into a character who you just do not want to fuck with over time. And if you did that, and if you invested the time, you would easily have a big fan favorite out Paul Burchill, and like. The, the, the thing that pisses me off is that WDB were on the right track for this. You know, the segments they wrote for Paul Burchill were amazing. And again, I implore you to go back and check them because they really were. They were unique, but, you know, they, they just didn't keep the foot on the gas and, and they gave up on him after after three or four months jobbing him out to, uh, to Big Mark Henry. And it's a damn shame because I know it's unlikely, but I really hope we see Paul Burchill return to pro wrestling someday. Like, the, the guy could have been huge. And that's my rebooking of Pirate Paul Birchall. What do you think? I liked it, man. I did. I really did. You know, it's another one of those cases where you don't have to make it like a super grandiose booking or whatever. But what you did was you took this guy who didn't really get a, a good chance, right? Mm. He was a guy. They just brought him in. They said he was a pirate. And then they dropped the gimmick. But what you did was you took this guy who was just kind of pretty much starting off there fresh. You needed to give him... You need to set him off on the right foot, you know? Mm. Once you do that, people are going to dig him. You just need to establish him first. And that's exactly what you did here. You just very clearly, succinctly, good, simple storyline, sets up a match at WrestleMania so that you know you're going to get eyes on him. Yeah. Boom, straight away, you know? He hasn't, you know, just... And, and <laughs> boom, again, bomb. Boom, you know, exact cannons going off. Boom, right? <laughs> but, like, you, and again, like, match-wise, nothing overcomplicated there. You kept everything very simple, but it's a good storyline. It makes sense, and it gets eyes on Perchel. You know, it's it's good shit. And like, you you wonder why they can't do simple shit like this in real life. You know. Yeah, exactly. And like, you might not you might not remember Paul Birchall beating William Regal and Ken Kennedy at WrestleMania, but the one thing you will remember is Paul Birchall making William Regal walk the plank because that's just yeah. the kind of moment that you remember. Like, um, you know, you don't maybe you don't remember the entire Edge versus Mick Foley match that's in WrestleMania, but you sure as hell remember Edge spearing you know Mick Foley into the flaming table. You know, it's things like that that stand out in people's memories and people's minds. And like, 
it's those kind of things that make a star. And it it could have been so easy to just do that with Paul Virtual uh, in this gimmick. And like I said, WWE they 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 had a you know they they were doing really well and they had some really funny shit going on and some really you know the crowd were behind the guy and and they, they were loving him. He was getting huge pops when he came out, and then just they lost interest like they always do. And just poor Paul Virtual didn't didn't get a fair shake. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. But he got a fair shake in your story. So, oh yeah, you know, that's why we're here. That is we why made we're everything, here. We made everything good. That's yeah. what we do. We make everything good. <laughs> we make our yeah. We, we put a little band aid on the um, on, on the lacerations in pro wrestling. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's I, one way to put it. Is that our new uh, slogan? Is just we yeah. make everything good. Yeah, we make everything. everything. Good. So, yeah. Even the bad things, we'll make them good. Yeah. So don't worry about it. All good. Yeah. Keep it Bola. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> It's that time again, my friend. Kayfabe Tombola, everyone's favourite game. For those listening to their first ever Making Kayfabe episode, welcome. And I'll explain the rules of Kayfabe Tombola to you right now. So, every week, whoever hosts the episode is going to have four random wrestlers and four random scenarios, numbered 1 to 4 and lettered A to D. The co-host for the episode, which is Dylan this week, will give me a number letter combination like a 1A or a 2B or a 4C, and then he'll have 60 seconds to spin the greatest wrestling storyline ever of the wrestler and scenario that he's been given. Last week, we had Trash Holly winning the winning Tugboats Boat Championship on a boat. So, things can get pretty wacky here. This week's K15 Bola comes from the all-star Chris CJ Johnson on Twitter. You can find him at VS the Janitor. That's V for Victor, S for Sierra, the Janitor. And Chris, my man, thank you for your awesome K15 Bola submission today. Thank you for being an awesome part of the Making K15 community. And Dylan, there, there, there are some fucking excellent picks here, dudes. So, without further ado, give me your finest number letter combination. I would like 4B, please. 4B, please. Okay, let's we'll see what we're talking If you please. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, th- th- this could be a good one. So, do you want to know who you could have had? Uh, I hope I'm all Reno. Oh, I've got some bad news for you. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you could have had Otis. Okay. You didn't get Otis. We did him. We've already booked him. He's, he's been rebooked. Yeah, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a making KP reboot in season two. You also, by the way, Otis turned T1 Smackdown um, this week. So, yeah. Uh-huh. You see where that's uh, going? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's the same, same, same way as my story, I bet. Vince McMahon, oh. fuck, Triple H loves this shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's just like, like one. I look at the podcast analytics and there's like, you know, one listener in Stanford, Connecticut or something. Like, oh, who could that be? <laughs> yeah, just the one. <laughs> <laughs> just at one yeah they listen together but hey you didn't get otis you could have had apollo cruise oh okay yeah apollo cruise that would have been good you could have had baron corbin oh okay <laughs> does the boat there yeah uh, but who you did get was titus o'neill <laughs> okay <laughs> so for scenarios what you didn't get was so you could have had titus o'neill Takes a busted set of scales to 205 Live to dominate the cruiserweight division. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't get that one. You could have got Titus O'Neill has hatched a devious plan to win the 24 7 title. Oh, I wish I got that one. You didn't quite get that one. Oh, that would have been great. Did you say 4B or 4D? I said 4B. B, cool. So you could have had 
Titus O'Neil, uh, bear with me in this one, Titus O'Neil has a new gimmick where they couldn't make a show because their paddle boat drifted out to sea and are now cast in a series of vignettes like Tom Hanks in Castaway. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that. <laughs> that would have been perfect for the show, the pirate yeah, show. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, exactly. Like It, it would kind of echo the, the tugboat boat championship last week. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like boy. how they're starting to get like nautical themed you know I like yeah. this. Let's, let's keep this up let's get the sailor ship going you know more nautical kayfabe than bolas mm-hmm. right do i know what you did get yes please you got titus o'neill enters a tournament where the winner becomes the cover star of the next 2k game okay so titus it enters O'Neil. a tournament where the winner becomes the face of of the video game yes Face of the next net video game, next 2K game, which I think is going to be 2K22, maybe 2K22. I don't know. I'll make it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But all right. So, are you ready to rock and roll with that? Yeah. Let's just fucking yeah. <laughs> let's, just <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I've got a minute on the clock. So you have 60 seconds, my friend, to tell me all about how Titus O'Neil enters a tournament where the winner becomes the cover star of the next 2K game. I'm going to count you down from three. Two, one, play the game. All right, so there's this uh, WWE announces a big tournament to see who's going to be the face of the next video game because they think that's going to make people pay attention to their shitty video game. It's probably not, but they're like, hey, here we go. So we'll have a tournament with all our famous faces in it, but we'll have one space left for people to vote in their favorite person they want to vote in. So, like, loads of people are in the tournament, like John Cena and Randy Orton, big famous, you know, characters that would be on the face of a video game. But uh, there's a glitch in the system on the website. So instead of like voting for the person people actually wanted to see, the glitch made it so that Titus O'Neil won the turn the, the competition. <laughs> so he has entered into the tournament. Nobody's like, shit, dude, we can't have Titus O'Neil. You know, like nobody knows who the fuck he is. What? We can't have him in the video game. So the tournament starts off. And in the tournament, we've got Titus O'Neil. And he's uh, up against the big boys. How is he going to survive in this tournament? Who is he up against first? Why, it's only The Undertaker. You know, because he would be good on the face of uh, the video game game right so Titus O'Neil he this is round one of the tournament Titus O'Neil fights the Undertaker and almost immediately loses so <laughs> hey the all I had to do was say he entered a tournament <laughs> he had to win it so he just looked see that's it you actually Titus... said that right right in the you said that right in the minute mark as well so that's perfect because that's it like Titus O'Neil he can enter it you can answer it all he wants. Doesn't mean he's going to win the tournament. Yeah, it's, it's the winner becomes a cover star. So it doesn't mean that he has yep. to win it. Exactly. Like, yeah, I like your thinking. Yeah. Outside did, the box. He did the best he could. And yeah. he got beaten exactly. by The Undertaker. Just like 99% of everybody else. I like how he got there as well. A little kind of website hack. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> who's, who's hacking the website to make Titus O'Neil win polls? That's bad. No, that was just like a, it was just like a glitch in the system. Oh, a glitch. Okay, yeah. right. They didn't mean to. They go, oh, you know, one in 250,000 chance of it happening. But it happened. Hey, man, you, you say 2K games are shitty. I agree with you. But I'm sitting at my desk right now with a copy of Here Comes the Pain for the PS2. And let me tell you, man, what a fucking game. Yeah, I still have my PlayStation, you know, the PlayStation 1 mm. with um, SmackDown and SmackDown 2 in it. Yes, incredible. Oh man, like after after school every day, like me and my mates used to just to go back to mine and play Hell in a Cell matches on um mm. you know on SmackDown Two, like just uh oh such such a such a good game. But anyway, don't forget, as I'm making KFIP listener, you can be just like Chris Johnson here and get your Tombola featured on the show. 
Just send four wrestler names and four scenarios via DM on Twitter at MakingKFabe or send them in an email to makingkfabe at gmail.com. Thank you once again to Chris Johnson for submitting that. That was awesome. Some really good, um, really good scenarios there. Uh, mm. That was good fun. Well, another episode down, folks. That's the seventh of the season and 27th making kayfabe rebooking overall. Thank you for listening. We hope you liked our rebooking of Paul Burke And if this is your first time listening to us, why not go back and listen to who else we've rebooked? I mean, we've rebooked, we've rebooked plenty of fun stories from CM Punk to the ECW Zombie, from Mike Awesome to Right to Censor, from Sean O'Hare to Otis Dozovich that Dylan mentioned earlier. They're, they're all available wherever you listen to this on. You can find us on Twitter, at Making Kayfabe. Get involved, check out our posts. We've always got some fun stuff on there, like on Wednesdays where we give a, you know, a bit of a, an obscure clue for the next episode, and then you've got to guess which wrestler it relates to. You can also email us your feedback at makingkayfabe at gmail.com. You can buy our awesome Making Kayfabe t-shirts at... That one? Uh, makingkayfabe.redbubble at website. Ah. <laughs> at making K- you're so close. At making kfave.redbubble.com and hey, <laughs> it wasn't close at all. No, <laughs> being, being nice. And if you don't want to do that, it's cool. You know, we can still be friends. But please at least leave us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It helps us break those podcast charts and, you know, and take on heavyweights like uh, Conrad Thompson, you know, Jericho, Bischoff and more. Bischoff. Fucking Bischoff. Like, we Bish- did, we, we're coming for Bischoff. We're coming for him. Like, we, we were hired on him at least at least one week in the charts. That that is fact. Um, you know, so you know we're we're coming for him again. But uh, D- Dylan, you've got a you've got an epic rebooking coming next week. In fact, normally normally I know who it is, but I don't even know who it is. Who, who, who you got a clue for us for for here doing next week? Don't. It's a surprise. The funny thing is, Ooh. if you listen to one of our bonus episodes from in between season two and season three, me and Bryce ta- discussed a lot of. Uh, of the suggestions we might be doing for season three and there's still one uh, suggestion that i i talked about in that show that i haven't done yet so that might be the one for next week but it'll be it'll be a big surprise let's put it that okay. way it'll be a surprise even though the answer is in the bonus episode no but it might <laughs> no no it might it might be that one i'm torn between that last sanity booking there's your surprise or something else <laughs> so here's the thing next week you're either getting sanity or something else that's okay. a surprise. Nice one. All right, that's, that sounds good. All right, Kayfabers, nothing but love for listening to, to two wrestling fans reading fairy tales for an hour each week. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next week for another excellent, sexy, awesome episode of Making Kayfabe. <laughs>